0: Okay. Good morning and welcome to another episode of um, A Couple with Mental Health. I hope you've got your brews. It's been finally cold enough to enjoy a cup of tea. I'll be honest, I'm very happy about that. I have missed my hot drinks. But uh, I have a new guest on today. I'd like him to introduce himself.
1: Good morning. I'm uh, Alex Staniforth, um, adventurer, author, and motivation speaker. And uh, really glad to be speaking this morning on the podcast.
0: So um, what relation do you have to mental health?
1: Uh, Well I'm 23 um, so I live uh, near Chester so I've been in the Northwest all my life and I think well before um, the adventures and and the fundraising and the speaking um, my journey kind of started in adversity and as a child really having a bit of a, a difficult start I mean I don't get me wrong, I had everything from my parents. You know, I had a, a really good upbringing, but I suffered with uh, epilepsy when I, when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And that itself was only very mild and brought under control, but was then the catalyst for a, a whole host of different challenges, such as uh, stammering, um, bullying, uh, anxiety, panic attacks, lack of, lack of confidence, mm-hmm. and just generally making making school pretty unsettling for such a young person. And so, as life's gone on, um, it's led me to to where I am today, and and mental health challenges have always been very much a part of that journey, even now. And I guess that's the short story. But my relation now, as well as continuing to to kind of suffer and manage with mental health, it's trying to actually make a difference um, not, not not only for uh, not only in fundraising for mental health mm-hmm. charities, but as an advocate as well.
0: So, um, have you actually been diagnosed with anything?
1: So, I was diagnosed with uh, depression for the first time uh, about four years ago, four or five years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that was the first kind of medical diagnosis, which was um, which was dealt with medication. Um, mm-hmm. I've not had an official diagnosis of um, of an eating disorder, you know, uh, binge eating and bulimia, um, but that has also been been uh, I've been to the, uh, you know the NHS about that mm-hmm. and had. Had uh, treatment in the psychology department and off my GP with medication as well. So that's as far as the diagnosis goes. It's it's, it's more, but on you know anxiety and depression really. Okay. Um, but as we know, these things are very hard to necessarily pinpoint down as well. But
0: completely. Um, you say that it started in school, um, and you had a whole host of issues to to live with. Obviously, with your epilepsy and with bullying, and we all know how hard bullying can be um, when did you feel that you started to really like feel felt like you felt lower than everybody else your emotions felt lower than everybody else
1: um, I think although it's, it's a while ago now I say I mean um, I think generally it's because of the bullying and the effect that has on your self esteem and confidence uh, generally I was suffering with anxiety and panic attacks first and foremost mm. because of the epilepsy. You know, for example, having a having a seizure um, during during school, then having seizures during food. You know, for example, having a having an epileptic fit whilst having a McDonald's meal meant that I couldn't go near it go near any fast food for mm. years without having a panic attack. And having a seizure in a biology class meant that every biology class. Pretty much all the way through high school, well, I had to had to sit out in the corridor. Um, but in terms of feeling low and, and a low mood, I mean, there was a real lack of confidence and being very hard on myself. But in mm-hmm. terms of the actual anything that we would recognise as you know feeling, you know down, or you know um, any kind of form of low mood, or you know you know or being you know you know or being uh, you know. You know um in kind of you know I can't um, <laughs> it's okay it, 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 anything in the form of you know feeling down or depressed wasn't until um quite quite a lot afterwards actually that was when I was um about 16 when I was running a lot um mm. and I found I found my escape in the outdoors basically quite a few years before that about 13 14 and it was uh it was the outdoors and challenges and fundraising that really helped me to find that confidence and to, to, to overcome this low confidence and self esteem. Yeah. And it was an injury in running that basically put me out of, of sports and the outdoors for nearly a year. Mm. And it was in that it was in that period of being injured that the the depression and the eating disorder really appeared. Um, because I lost that outlet, I lost yeah. that, that coping mechanism, and instead, you know, I, I turned to Food for Comfort, and it was so, it was about the end of 2012, um, so would nearly six, six, you know, six years ago now, and I would say really that I've, I've been suffering ever since.
0: Fair enough, um, I'm sorry, we have had to go through that experience, um, but... You say that you was obviously having panic attacks and worrying in in school. Obviously, if you've had a a seizure or anything like that, would you say that was the start of your anxiety?
1: Um, I would say so. It was all it was all triggered by the epilepsy, Mm. and it 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 wasn't just in school. I mean, although home was my safe place when I was younger, um, I was even scared of being out of the house um, without my parents just in case of having a bit more seizures. Mm. And it was definitely at school, and, and I think all the way until I left high school, um, anxiety has been an issue. And although it's obviously much, much better now, because, yeah. um, you know, now I've, I've been all over the world of, um, you know, I'm an inspirational speaker, so I regularly speak to audiences as big as 600 people. Um, but even still, there is still that vulnerability there. Yeah. And even now, despite all this, and it's all these experiences, um, I've had panic attacks as recently as the last year. You know, despite having this, perhaps this image or perception of, of confidence or strength, you know, anxiety it mm. still affects me, and um, yeah, I, I think as as we know, it's one of those things that that never really goes away. We just learn to manage it in better ways.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Um, you say that you obviously you started running as a way to cope with it. Um, yeah. You you could even see that as a, a metaphor. You was literally running. And running from issues as a way to to cope with what was going on and you say when you had an injury that it stopped that what was the main thing that came to your mind once you got that injury
1: interesting question I think what it was was uh, I need to say you know literally running was maybe not so much a way of running away from it but more a case of um, of finding the tools to cope with it mm-hmm. and I think that um, running gave me a sense of achievement it gave me a sense of um, of health you know of of the endorphins mm-hmm. that, that kind of buzz that I never had and mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that whether yeah. it's running or cycling or, or any sport um, and I think it gave me gave me targets and achieving targets gives you that that sense of purpose that sense of esteem and I think um, I set my sights quite high I also had a goal to climb Everest, which had kind of started before that, actually started when I went on one of my first hill walks in the Lake Districts. And so Mm. I suddenly had all these massive goals in life and nothing was going to stop me anymore. You know, I'd I'd found through the outdoors, I'd found a way to to fight back and this drive to achieve Mm. as much as I possibly could. Um, And so in running, I wanted to be the best I could be. I wanted to stand on top of the world one day. So I was starting to find this passion for the outdoors and, and take the steps towards this goal and mm. I think with the injury it was it almost put me back where I started because it stopped me being able to pursue those goals yeah. it was the probably the first time that I'd had that control taken back from me you know mm. suddenly I'd be given this control mm. I'd be given this sense of belonging and this way to be different and to, to prove myself wrong you yeah know? and then all of a sudden um that that choice is taken away from me and um, I think you know, without that, I didn't have another coping mechanism in place. And I'd always, I'd always loved food and always been a big eater. And unfortunately, you know, I I tend to be very much a, a, a you know a uh, I tend to be kind of a high achiever and, yeah. and um, set high standards for myself. You know, you could call it a a perfectionist. For, perhaps and with the food i I decided whilst i was injured that i was going to um work on my diet so i thought well while i'm injured i can i can work on improving my diet my strength conditioning and and so that when i come back to running i can Mm. reach my goals even even quicker um but as we know with with a lot of eating disorders they they are triggered by trying to restrict ourselves trying to set to yeah. strict standards, and that was exactly exactly what I did, and it didn't help that I worked in a restaurant, so I'm surrounded by by unhelpful foods, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, this kind of new Bohemian diet, you know, diet regime um, diet regime that I started didn't didn't last, and instead that became the very early days of bulimia, and then essentially the injury had become a whole new problem, mm. and, and even when I got back to running um and now you know i've run six days a week i'm a fairly competitive athlete mm-hmm. um the problem is it, it, it's still there because once it's wired into us it's a case of we re- having to rewire the brain really
0: yeah and that does become a difficult challenge especially if we use it as a as a coping mechanism um the thing that you spoke about is a lot I've i've heard a lot of like athletes i've heard sportsmen in general once they've lost that cause and control over what they can do they feel like they kind of lost maybe lost their purpose a little and that's when it can lead into a lot of and you read it everywhere um, and there's some very sad stories obviously where they've where they have lost that sense of purpose that sense of control and it has spiraled into any into in many different ways from from eating habits um because eating habits alone are a control mechanism it's like it's one thing that you can control no matter what goes on in your life you can control what goes into your body and what goes out of your body so that's no matter what goes on that is one thing that is constant that you can always control what goes in and um, I've spoke, spoken to Hope about this as as you know and, and she says the same thing it's, it's very much like that's one thing no matter what's going on in your life you can take control of um, and you say that obviously working around food would have, would have insinuated all oh, well I can really control this not like I can not just control what goes into my body but I can control it by look I can avoid the temptation and stuff like that so that's also plays on your mind as well how have you come back from that
1: great point I think is again it's something we hear a lot of for example you know in um in athletes and you know especially kind of You know the Olympians and the professional athletes is that once they retire, it's they've like they've lost this massive sense of energy and purpose and and everything in their life. And how do you come back from that? And it's um yeah again there are a lot of sad stories because some people don't necessarily make that transition back, and it could be the same for people who've been in the army. You know, they Mm. you, you and in some ways I've experienced it on a on a lower level with my expeditions. I mean, you come back from Everest and. And these exciting, incredible places, and then try and find that same level of excitement in everyday life. Um, and so, with food, you're exactly right because it, it's something that we can control. And essentially, for me, it was it was a case of a new challenge. You know, mm. it was a way to to, to to keep hold of some control. Mm. And in the same way that the outdoors gave me some control over the stammering, the epilepsy, the bullying, everything else. Um, and the thing is, with, with food, in some ways, people say it's just the same as being an alcoholic or, or using drugs. Mm. The problem is with, with, with food is we, is we need it. We can't cut it out. Yeah. Um, it's everywhere. You know, it's used as a reward in society everywhere. Um, and so, in terms of how I've come back from it, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I kind of have. It's, it's been, honestly, the, the eating disorder much more than, you know, anxiety and depression has been the hardest challenge that I've ever had to deal with and I'm mm. still dealing with. I've had years of treatment, I've tried various things, um, really have tried what feels like everything. And I haven't quite got to the point of, you know, of what I would call, you know, being recovered. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I will. And I am still able to, to, to achieve my purpose in life with it there. Um, mm. but basically, when I got back to running um I then threw myself into um another goal which which was climbing Everest yeah and so that also involved a lot of training a lot of fundraising and and to cut the long story short um that also ended in, in disaster twice with a huge avalanche on my first expedition which cancelled it uh, we went back the following year mm-hmm. um we were we were on the mountain when the earthquake hit Nepal mm-hmm. and an even bigger avalanche hit and that was a Pretty much had we not been on the mountain, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. And and so there's also that kind of trauma to deal with as well. And so with all this stress and, and expectations and pressures on myself, um it's it's inevitable that the problems kind of stay there. And so when I find these periods of balance in my life, you know, it's the eating problem fades away into in, into the background. But mm. unfortunately it comes back when it needs to. And um I know that I'll never have the same relationship with food again because yeah. I'll always have that constant anxiety and pressure and the the ability to just go to, you know, a buffet or a restaurant and just eat normally would will, will never – it doesn't feel like it will come back. I'm sure it will one day, but I think it's um, it's just something now that I have to manage and it means that I, I have to treat food in a different way. But one thing that keeps me in this kind of balance, as i found, is um, – is running, um, mm. purely for, I guess, for the sake of burning calories of staying lean and staying healthy. And also knowing that there's a link between my performance and, and what I eat. And, and I've done so many big endurance challenges since then and still doing them. Um, mm. that I guess I'm, that gives me a lot more flexibility around food. I, I need a lot more food in intake to sustain that. Um, but also it can, it can create unhelpful behaviours as well so i think i'm i'm still trying to find that that kind of long term solution but i think really it's looking like it's going to be something that i just have to manage
0: well that's the thing i mean when it comes to mental health issues there is a there is a view that you'll recover and then that's it you're done and dusted whereas it doesn't essentially work like that i mean it has been known to work like that for many people But for the millions of the people that do have mental health issues, it is a constant, it's, you can have months, even years of good, of a good steady standing and then it just drop. But when it hits you, it hits you bad. And I think people don't, there's another thing for the stigma of it is like, just because you've had a good couple of days, months, even years doesn't mean to say you're over it and I think that's where the understanding of it needs to come across as well because just because you are able to do something and you seem happy and healthy like in your case and um, doing your runs and stuff like that it's, it's very hard for people who haven't been through that situation to understand how you can do that but yet have these issues at the same time. And I think where you say where you ha- what helps, what I picked out from what you said is what helps you is knowing that if you, what do you say that you're knowing you, the, the relationship between food and your performance. So you, I would, from that, I took from that, that you know that if things are not going right with your food, then your performance will slip.
1: Kind of. I mean, it's, it's more the case of like, it, it can work, it can work both ways in some ways you know running can be a, a necessary evil because um you know it it allows me to to eat more of the things that would kind of be kind of a bad food you know um for mm-hmm. me it's always been kind of cakes and and sugar and and the kind of sweets treats really have always been my kind of trigger or binge food mm-hmm. um but equally with running it allows me to have them without the anxiety and the pressure of um you know that 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 i had when i was injured and obviously couldn't i couldn't obviously run to have that kind of balance and Mm so um it's um equally it's it's almost like the pressure of running and also the the wanting to stay lean and 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 again you know for road running in particular i mean i race sort of 5k to a full marathon i mean i'm currently training for chester marathon in october is is that if, you know, if I don't run as well as I'd like, I, I might think, well, I need to lose weight, I need to be quicker. Mm. Um, but equally, I know that without running, it would be a whole lot worse. And so it's a case of, a, it is a case of, um, you know, I guess having that kind con- of control, but also um, I think, as you said before, the um, the whole expectations thing can also be difficult, that in some ways, if we you know, if we expect this kind of miracle cure, the problem is we're almost setting up ourselves for disappointment mm-hmm. and potentially another bad episode. Yeah. And I, you know, and unlike a lot of people with mental health issues, I have weeks or months where they just don't trouble me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of I often refer to it as finding a balance.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and the general eating disorder at the moment is is very much in a good place, and it has. Generally, on the whole, improved over the years slowly. I'm, I'm learning things strategies and strategies and what kind of causes it. And mm. at the moment, I, I also know that, you know, um, with my training, for example, it's I think it's about helping us make better choices. Yeah. And for example, I ran my first marathon in, in Manchester in April. Um, of course, started with the best, you know, Northwest born mm. um, <laughs> and bred. And having that goal, it kind of gave me that that better choice to make, you know. Yeah. I mean I was run, I was running sort of 50, 60 miles a week and running a, a sub free marathon is not um it's not an easy feat and I knew that the risks of bulimia and binge eating were were kinda of dangerous, especially when you're also training your body so hard. And
0: mm. some
1: days when I when my emotions were completely out of sync I, I felt really bad about myself. I felt bad about life in general. Mm. I would be tempted to to binge and turn yeah. to my usual, and and sometimes I did, you know. There, there were there were slip ups. So there's always bad days. Yeah, but obviously. It, but it was having something there that actually said no, because this is not going to help me run tomorrow. There was always another training session coming up soon.
0: Yeah. That
1: can, and I used to think of that, and I used to think of well, no, the risks and doing that is going to make me feel bad tomorrow, and it's yeah. going to make me. It's, I'm not going to run as well, and I'm not going to achieve my goal, and. Essentially, it's it's the frequency of running that that really, it almost nine times out of ten was kind of was the block that yeah. stopped it happening. And I've, I'm currently training, for, you know, as I said for my next one. And I, I run six I run six days a week. And the fact that when I'm running, I will very very rarely, um, very rarely binge or binge or you know or have a bulimic episode because yeah. I know it's dangerous. And so. The only kind of downside to that is obviously if I don't run or I can't run for any reason, then am I gonna be vulnerable again? Yeah. Um, that's the only downside is that is also you've got to be very careful that running doesn't become just a form of of kind of almost purging itself just by burning calories. Yeah. It has to be has to be for the right reasons, not just for an obsession.
0: Have you thought about what would happen if you were to stop running?
1: Um, perhaps naively, I haven't. I mean, I just haven't really thought about it. But I'm very, I'm very cautious about injuries and very, you know, careful in my training mm. and, and knowing when to, you know, back off and get physios. And I've just been quite lucky. And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, there have been periods when I've had injuries and I've had a week off. Um, but sometimes having having time off hasn't been too problematic. I mean, for mm. example, after my challenge last year, climb the UK, um, I lost probably well over a stone during the challenge. Yeah. And after sort of five thousand miles of cycling and running in two months, you know, the the physical exhaustion was just yeah. unbelievable. And I I knew and I wanted to put weight back on. Mm. Um but I also in some ways that challenge um although it gave me time when I genuinely enjoyed having rest, I enjoyed doing the thing. Yeah. uh I also the challenge also somehow made my eating disorder worse because during the challenge, people were bringing me cakes, chocolate, biscuits, everything, because people think, you know, when you're cycling 18 hours a day, yeah. you, you, you just want junk. But by the end, I got sick of it. Yeah. And despite this huge calorie burn and weight loss, I I did actually, in some ways, it was a bit, a bit contradictory because whilst raising money and awareness for mental health, I was almost damaging my own a little yeah. bit, because I was I was really changing my perception of my body image. I, 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 I didn't realise how thin I was, and nowadays I've learned, I've kind of lost, I've lost association, so I seem to seem to think, you know, that I look differently to how I look, um, right. because I, I got so anxious about people bringing me, bringing me so much, and yeah. obviously it was really nice to have their support, but, um, you know, um, I still had the anxiety around binge eating and weight gain, and there were some episodes during the challenge itself.
0: See, you bring the, uh, another interesting note up is the, the, the food used as a reward and how damaging, like you say, it can be. Like, and we're all guilty of maybe having a child or a niece or a nephew or someone that we've like, if you're good, I'll get you a packet of sweets or something like that. And something such a small thing when you're younger, when you're older, it, it's like instilled because it's gone on for many many years so when somebody is doing something and I've I say I've known it myself if I've felt a bit low or I've seen a friend feel a bit low I've took them a treat or someone. we've all I say we've all been guilty of it but it can also in itself be harming towards somebody's mental health whether or not they've actually got mental health issues because we do we have a natural I I believe we have a natural like sort of like sense within ourselves if we have too much of something we immediately want to go the other direction because we've like for myself if I eat too much junk food my body literally craves a piece of fruit so I know I've got that internal thing but then you start to then it sort sort of like sinks into your head of like you said like what what do I look like like I'm eating all this crap I must have obviously like put a bit of weight on what do I look like and it it does change your view of how you look at yourself because essentially if, and not only that but we were told if we eat nothing but crap we will get fat that that's that's what we're told even if like in your case you are burning it off over and over and over again but the view of your body changes because you're expectant to be big because you are told that if you constantly eat, crap, that you're going to get it, but if you're essentially building burning it off, the only thing that's changing is the view of yourself, not what's actually happening to your own body, because it it is one of those, your mind's telling you something to what's actually different to what's happening to your body, because essentially you could eat loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of rubbish. But if you burn off loads and loads and loads of calories, all you're doing is equaling it out. So nothing actually happens in your body other than, you know, you might feel a bit sick of chocolate. But what your view of what you're expecting to see, because essentially you've been told by all these, by, by, it could be by parents, by, certainly by TV and magazines, that if you eat nothing but cake and grap and crisps and all that lot, you are going to get Fatter you are going to get larger, but that might not be the case. But it still changes your viewpoint of how you see yourself. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, nowadays, in particular, there's, there's definitely a really big trend and interest around diets, and everyone's a bit obsessed by it. You know, you see it on Instagram all these different kind of health trends, and this big surge of people, you know, changing their diets and 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 you know health is very much becoming kind of a fashion thing which is which isn't a bad thing yeah um but i think there's also this this whole adage of you know people say to me i can eat whatever i want because i'm because i'm so active and i'm so skinny and i know i know looking at at myself how how lean i am i mean Mm. i'm i'm kind of built like a marathon runner And people say oh you know there's nothing on you you know you need some cake to to beef you up Mm. and they don't realise that that's just sending all sorts of yeah. unhelpful thoughts through my mind. Yeah, um, it's also completely wrong because in some ways, when you're physically active, you, you there's actually more of a need for better, new, better oh, nutrition. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and also, um, essentially, by having sort of um, inflammatory foods, you know, high sugar cakes and things like that, you're actually essentially when you when you're putting your body under a lot of physical strain, a marathon training is not really good for you. It's quite intense. Yeah. Um, if you essentially fuel the fire with 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 bad food, I mm. mean it's okay to have some in, in moderation. And I I now schedule you know treats every week. Mm. Um, but without the good nutrition as well, you're essentially not giving the body. You, you, it's 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 basically it's like you know pouring petrol on a fire. Otherwise. Yeah. And that's the way to see it inside the body and therefore actually um, it's not necessarily just about balancing out you know, you know, the calorie intake. That's obviously a big part of it. And yeah. this is where um, because I'm running, I'm, I'm, you know, I can be burning. For example, last Sunday ran the Yorkshire Three Peaks. I mean, that was two and a half thousand calories in, you know, in, in four hours wow. of running. Um, and so it means that I can have these treats without the binge mindset starting. Um, yeah. But also, um, there is also you know a, a lot more to it on a scientific point of view and again this is another problem in the athlete world is that you know people especially on social media are quite judging and oh, you know yeah. people saying well you know if you want to run this time then you need to stop eating that and stop eating that and my attitude is always look I've it's it will cause me a lot more damage to try and restrict my diet again like it did last time that mm-hmm. I say well I've got my approach this is my approach I'll stick to it Um and I think again, essentially, a big part of how my eating disorder started and how it starts for a lot of people, especially for girls, is this perception of what they read online and oh, yeah. and and these expectations. And that, that's why I try to I try to cut out all these bad foods. And as you said before, it makes us want it even more. Oh, yeah. And therefore, that's when the addiction mindset is wired in. Mm. And I'm here. I am six years later, still trying to still trying to break that. Um, I think. Um, I think yeah, you know, generally, what 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 I would definitely say is there is this almost public perception. People are very interested in what other people are eating and taking too much notice in something that isn't really their business. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think I think definitely from an athlete point of view, there is a lot of almost competition, and we're all trying to copy each other. And and um, I think as well, it's um, there's a lot of kind of myths around it all that aren't really helping people. And um, people, I think naturally, as you say, we, we tend to go all in or all out. And for example, after my challenge, you know, I'd lost all this weight, but people were saying, oh, you must be wanting everything and all this. But when I got home, all I wanted was fresh veg. Yeah. And after expeditions, you know, when i have been away for two two months eating a lot of fried food and rice, and things like that, all I crave is, is fresh salmon and veg. And... That's not only emotional, but that's the physical need. Our body does tell us what we yeah. Yeah. what we need. And I was only writing about this in my book yesterday about on the challenge, you know, I was so sick of eating junk that I generally had cravings for salad and things like that. And it's it's clever what our bodies do.
0: Yeah, I, oh yeah, I te- definitely agree. I think if we listened more to our bodies, I mean, I know we're told, you know, you know, all these good things and bad things and blah, blah, blah that might seem logical. But if we actually just paid attention to what our body wants, like some bad foods are good for you at the time because it's what, what your body wants. And some good, and then next thing, you know, your body was craving a fruit salad. It's like it will generally, if you listen to it, balance itself out. Problem is we ignore the signals from our body. And it's one of those where I think if we were more in tune with our body rather than listening to what we're told, we listen to ourselves, we'd be able Absolutely. to deal with it a lot more.
1: Absolutely. I think, as you say, exactly that. We're listening more to other people and society and expectations rather than to our own instinct. Mm. And that's why now like I, I notice that if I have too many treats, I'm having them for the sake of... of urges rather than actually enjoying them and that's when i have a few days off i'll have a few days of kind of clean eating so to speak yeah and then i then i, I almost find the balance again whereas um i know modern society is not helpful in that we are you know we've got sugar and cakes and treats everywhere we look you know advertised mm. in shops um and so that they're not almost a treat anymore they're almost part of our everyday diet yeah but i do notice that you know um but um again I. Or having those treats, as you say, it's, uh, it, does, it does balance itself out, and uh, I think um, I think now I'm, I'm just cautious not to allow running to almost become purely about about the, about the intake and the calories, because it is perfectly healthy for our weight to balance, and I'm I'm just mindful that I need to not be too obsessed with sort of maintaining a weight and seeing that as either a success or a failure, and just mm. allowing it to be allowing it to be more natural. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is the problem with once an eating disorder is established, it's, uh, it's a genuine emotional pathway in the brain that needs to be retrained.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely. I think there's so much out there that can harm us. And the thing is, is I also believe in a ridiculously silly way that it's actually, nine times out of ten, it's good intentions. It's like oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. We yeah.
0: have every good intentions of how things are going to stop and how things are going to be better and... I mean, yeah, in some cases it is just to sell magazines and stuff like that, but I do believe that there is a good intention of noticing that the world has changed from 50 years ago, so we need to address that, and a lot of it is to do around our eating habits, our daily life habits and how we address ourselves, how we manage ourselves in general. And I think because it's really hard for us to accept that things have changed so quickly, it's hard for us to adapt to those changes as well. And I think one of the main, I think, yeah. main changes is we are more stagnant now than we've ever been. But the amount of food that we can get our hands on ha- is, is an abundance now. It's not like beforehand where you had to, you know, family would have to sort out their food on a daily day-to-day basis and stuff like that. You'd have a certain set of things. Now, you just go, here's your food. Or if you're hungry, you can pick up stuff. That's, it's It's... Life has changed, so it's so easy for you to slip into that, Whereas, and, and other, other influences rather than listening to your own. And I think going back to the whole listening to yourself, I think that is the most important thing. And that's not just down to food. That's just down to in general. If you feel like the noise outside is so loud, then you've got to take quite a quiet moment for yourself and listen to your, yourself to... To essentially, and most people think this is a bit nuts, but listen, literally listening to the voices in your own head, because they will tell you what's right for you, even if everybody in the entire world says it's wrong. Now, bear in mind if those voices are telling you something that's a little bit dangerous, I'd say hold up. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. But in general, from food to how to look after yourself, self-care, self-worth, all those things are deep within yourself. You know what you're worth, even if you're not sure on it. You know what you value and what you don't value. You also know... When it comes to food, whether or not you're hungry or whether or not you're thirsty, whether or not you've had too much of one thing. So, you know, I need to back up rather than making it a control issue of, oh, I, I've had too much of this, so I have to restrict this bit. That's more telling yourself off rather than just going, oh, up, no, we've had a bad couple of days. That's absolutely fine. Everybody does. We've had an yeah, yeah. oh, emotional couple of days. That's absolutely fine. We're yeah. only human. And I think that's another thing people forget. You're only human. There's only so much Absolutely. you can handle.
1: And that's it. And I think um, again, this is what I, I, as athletes have to be mindful of is not to kind of view our our success and our our happiness by our weight or how we look. And what I said, unfortunately, after climbing the UK, now my whole body image thing has has changed. And I know I can I can reverse that to an extent, but I know that um, one thing now is is with with, with society we we we're increasingly aware of of all the pressures and we want to we're expected to do this expected not to eat this and expected to do that and I think with me it was my kind of my perfectionism that I had. I've, I've always had I think because of all the bullying naturally I was very self-critical yeah. uh, which was kind of um, a bit of a, a it predisposed me to that a bit more than normal I think that uh, it's um it was inevitable that I would slip into that kind of bad habit of when I couldn't meet these high standards that I thought people expected of me and people said, well, well, you're an athlete, you should, you know, you should be super strict. You should do Mm -hmm. that. And and even during my challenge, I remember having a stopping at a buffet once because I did this talk and there was, you know, I mean, everything there Mm -hmm. and buffets for somebody with an eating disorder are incredibly stressful, as you can imagine.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, and, in the same way that going to a social event will be very difficult for me because of my stammer, yeah, and people saying to me, "Oh, you know, you, you know, you can't eat that. You, you know, you'll get fat." And part of me wanted to say, "You know, I've just cycled like two thousand miles in the last month to get here." Yeah, um, and, um, and and I know, you know, most of that is, is meant as meant as a joke. It's it's not meant as a as a hurtful way, but yeah. I think. Um, we do need to be more mindful of those things and one thing you said before about food being used as a treat I mean it was always used that way for me um as an early child you know always fed well and I wasn't active when I was younger it wasn't until it wasn't until the epilepsy in the outdoors that I found this this need for exercise and I couldn't imagine not being active now I just don't think I'd cope yeah um but for me it was inevitable that I've always loved food and I so many times during the eating disorder I've always wished that I didn't have the appetite I did. Um, but obviously I, I do. Mm. I think that I, I always thought to myself that if I ever had kids I would I wouldn't I wouldn't bring them up in the same way to associate food as a treat because um it's it's kind of what's predisposed me to this now. But I think essentially it's just that ability to to have what we want and listen to our cues, you know, and, and not to beat ourselves up for having those bad days, you know, and I think um, where running and just general exercise allows that, it's just the, it gives me the flexibility to do that without the guilt and a lot of people say that, but um, I think running does so much more than just that maths equation, it does the the confidence, the sense of achievement, the endorphins, the everything else in so many ways and this is why I really believe in the power of the outdoors as well.
0: I like what you said that it's not just a maths equation. That 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 one in itself sums up so many people. It is they're constantly and again I've been guilty of it myself, where you've you've had a lot to eat and then and like well I'm gonna have to run so much or I'm gonna have to exercise so much, to burn it off and health is more than a mass equation. It, it, it yeah. But people seem to think it's just about the calorie intake and taken out taken. I know I said earlier about, you know, if you, you eat a lot of crap and burn it off, essentially it's okay, but that's only if you're eating other stuff as well, it's not like you're going to sit there and constantly eat 16 chocolate bars every day, but it, it it does become a numbers game for a lot of people, and that in itself is a control aspect, because you're controlling the equation. And, and it's an instant, it is, yeah. instant gratification, so it leads to a lot of issues. Like maths in itself, I've always believed that maths in itself is an instant gratification. You are either right or you're wrong. And if your mindset has gone into putting your health into maths, you are either right or you're wrong. and Yeah, yeah that build between the two and I, I see it so many especially as you say, within women I'm not saying that men don't go for it too but it is especially high within women that they seem to think oh I've had a, a KFC I'm now gonna have to go to the gym for at least an hour and a half to burn that KFC off just so I can out weigh out the calories and then you're like but you're not doing it in the correct manner. You're not doing it for what's the right for you. And also, what's wrong with having a KFC every now and again? It's not like you sat there every meal time with a big fat burger. Like, you had a KFC that week, so what? You ate salads and healthy for the rest of the week. What's one meal gonna do you any harm? And I, like, I, don't, I somebody, I've read it on somewhere. It said, it's not balance, but it's harmony. Cause balance, it's very very hard to get balance, but it's very easy to get harmony. Well, I would say easy, but it's a lot easier for your body and your mind to get harmony because balance means that you've got to segment it off. Whereas harmony is going. Well, I know this week I've had a lot, but next week I, you know, I'll level it off or, oh this this week I know I've got a lot of, uh, speak like touring and speaking to do. So I know I'm going to have to not have as much sleep, but next week I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll be fine and back to my normal. It's that harmony of your life and what you eat and all. And, and that also comes into your own mental health is having that harmony of knowing, you know, some days you are going to have a bad day, but then some days you're going to have a good day. And, and that harmony between the two and accepting of the two. I think that's the main thing.
1: I think not just in eating but in in general life and and I've always found again it is this sort of this peaks and this troughs balance you mm. know and um I think that's absolutely right and I think especially with you say having good days and bad days I mean for example with with my eating I'll admit that you know in the sort of state I'm in mean, now I, I am in this maths equation and I know mm. that that's not going to be sustainable for the rest of my life but mm. at the moment it's keeping me in control, and I'm able to, you know, I'm able to really reduce any any urges, any urges, and and um, and so if it works. You know, I will keep keep using that. But I think um, with the balance, for example, uh, last week um, I was away for three days. I had an event on the Friday. I was invited for dinner on the Monday, and so essentially, when I'm not in my normal routine, um, mm-hmm. and just to add, I, I really need a routine. I mean, for example. At the moment, all my meals are, are measured and weighed out so that I can keep a track of, of my intake. And that's not necessarily for a weight loss point of view. It's just because I'm running so much that I need to maintain my calories, maintain enough protein. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also, there is a sense of, kind of relief and calm to know that I, you know, I know that I'm not overeating as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that system works. But obviously, when I'm away from home, I can't stick to that routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that control's taken away because I'm eating in restaurants, for example, or um, as you say, I might be away speaking, and I'm, when I'm speaking events, you know, there's normally meals included and lunch included,
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: just add, the, the only problem for me having a, having a KFC is I don't eat, is I don't eat meat, but other than that, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that might be a problem, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess there's always fries, I guess, but um, <laughs> but but I think it it's like okay, for me that was very 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 stressful, and I know now that. To try and reduce that stress, to reduce the possibility of a binge or that loss of control, that anxiety, um, and that anxiety does all come down to kind of weight gain. Even though I know that it, I'm not going to, I know realistically and scientifically that's not going to happen. There is still the anxiety there. Um, I have to try and plan as best possible to manage to kind of manage the situation. So, for example, I could bring meals pre-prepared in tubs, or I could just have a kind of an estimate of calories or I can just, or essentially just accept that for those three days, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to be in control for, for for this meal or that meal. I can, I can be in control of that, but I'm going to be running this, running that. And then I can look forward to getting home on Tuesday and getting back to my normal routine. And, and Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I did. I was away Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, I was having treats. I was having things that would normally be risky. Um, but there was no, bad response there was no binging behavior and i got back on tuesday and i was able to enjoy those treats for what they were and what they should be yeah uh, rather than being a rather than being a punishment or rather than being a mistake yeah um because one, one thing i've learned in in therapy recently was about being able to plan for these things and um and I, and i think that's a, that's all it is i realized that you know i often see people who might Go out for lunch, or they might be sat there eating an entire bag of biscuits, and for them that will just be a bit of a snack because they've always been brought up that way. For yeah. me, that would be—I couldn't comprehend being able to, mm. to do that. You know, I can't even have a, a cake in the house because I know that I can't just have one piece. Yeah, um I know that I have to deal with things in a different way. But you know, if I can still live my life with purpose, then I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm more than happy with that.
0: I think that's it. Um, a good note and on if you can live your life with purpose then you know you've got something to aim towards
1: absolutely and you know it for me that's why challenges have the outdoor challenges and also also the charity fundraising has always been my purpose you know and essentially it's about overcoming personal challenges through outdoor challenges and without purpose well we're going to we're never going to see the light. You know, we all need yeah. to have something to, something to aim towards, something to, to give us that kick to get out of bed. And, and with all my low points, I mean, by all means, the outdoors has not been a cure because I've still had my highs and lows, as we all do. Mm. But without, without something bigger to aim for, without something, mm. um, you know, we're going to struggle to give ourselves that, yeah. that fight. And, you know, when I think back to all my low points, and what what started them? Sometimes you can't explain them, as we know. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes though, it's because I'd lost direction, I'd lost yeah. purpose, and, and therefore that allows all these negative thoughts to come back. Um, but as we know, it's about managing, and and the the peaks for me is what makes the troughs worthwhile. And this is what I'm writing a lot at the moment in my next book, uh, which is all going to be about this and the the relationship I've had with the outdoors, and also. Just being able to accept the journey for what it is um, is about, you know, we all have the, these troughs, but it's having these challenges, these yeah. goals that that make them worthwhile. And my message to anybody, especially to other men who who suffer uh, eating disorders, because I suffered for so long without getting help because I was so embarrassed and humiliated, and God knows why, um, is that, you know, they don't have to stop us achieving anything. Yeah. And um, I, I, I only wish that... I got help sooner and I really hope that, that through my book and through my challenges, I can really encourage other men to to really just open up about these challenges because people would see, you know, doing Everest and doing all these these massive challenges as, you know, a sign of strength, but hey, I've still had these, these food issues and I still have them all underneath and it's just become part of me and, yeah. you know, why should it stop us?
0: I, I think I think it's a good thing to get men talking about. I think it is seen as a, eating disorders are very much seen as a girl's issue.
1: Oh, God. But, yeah. <laughs> and there's so many, and of course, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's good that there's so many, you know, so many, you know, there's so many, you know, advocates, you know, you know, who, who are female, because yeah. I know it's a big issue for girls. But I think one thing I found was seeking help, both privately and both, uh, you know, publicly, Yeah. Um, Before I kind of eventually, I gave up on that and realized this is something I needed to work out for myself. One thing I found was how there's so few male advocates, especially for eating, depression isn't so difficult to talk about, I don't think. Mm. Um, It's still still not not as easy as it should be, but I was never really ashamed to talk about that. But with eating, um, there's definitely a lot of work to be done, especially... Mm -hmm. As there we spoke about, with athletes, there's a big, big relationship there. And I think uh, we definitely need to, as you say, get rid of the times and, and how we think about food in a different way.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think it needs to be seen as an overall issue, not just a certain genders issue. Um, Absolutely. Well, on that note, we're coming to an end. Um, before I ask you final question, how can people find you or find out what you're doing?
1: I love for people to, to, to engage and follow with my journey and my future challenges. Um, so I do a, a lot of speaking events and some of those are public where people can come along and hear more, um, including a TEDx, where I think we first met yeah, was that's back in June, um, back in Manchester. So the best way to follow me would be via my website, which is um, alexstaniforth.com. Um, people can never spell it, but uh, it's stanifort yeah. uh, com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, again, you can find links to all those via my website, um, and um, read really all about you know, Everest and McLann, UK Challenge, and currently working on my next book, uh, which will be very much a mental health story and, and sharing what the outdoors and what exercise has taught me about my mind and how to overcome these things. So that will be coming out next year, um, so keep an eye for that. and. Um, I haven't got any big adventure challenges or fundraising um, planned this year because um, I'm, I'm working on my book and speaking, yeah. but um, I'd love for people to to uh, keep updated there um, because with Climate UK last year, I just add, uh, you know, finally, that that was all fundraising for young minds because I, I realized how little mm-hmm. support there was available for young people and wanting to, to obviously raise money to try and fill that gap. But the good thing about Climate UK was that people had a chance to come and join in, come mm-hmm. walking, cycling with me all over the UK. And that for me was really, really powerful. It was like the Pied Piper. So I would love for people in the future to get involved. So if they follow my social media, um, maybe send me their questions if they want to ask me anything else or find out more. Um, and um, that's the best best place to reach out and say hi.
0: Okay, I um that's great and I, i'll put the link on on the on the podcast for people if they want to find out more about you what would Please be me. your my, my final question is a, a one i've asked a couple of people now if you was to see somebody who was just about to go through everything that you've gone through you can't tell them anything other than give them free tips on how to get through it and manage it what would be your free tips
1: Three tips to get through. Um, well, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still getting through. I'm not there, but mm-hmm. that's fine. And my first tip would be, um, I think when we open up, other people open up too.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so to, you, basically, opening up isn't as, as terrifying or scary as we might think, and we might be very pleasantly surprised at what happens for ourselves and to benefit other people. Secondly, would be that we all need goals and they don't have to be massive. They could be as, as significant as getting out of bed, going to work, doing a, doing a, a 10 minute walk, a half mm-hmm. an hour goal. But I think having goals gives us momentum. And I think we all need to, have to be working towards goals at some, at, you know, at all times in our lives. So if you haven't got a goal, make sure you have something to get yourself out of bed for mm-hmm. something that, something that means more to you than anything. Lastly, I think it would be to, I think the last tip I could say is that, at, you know, at, at rock bottom, the only way is back up. Yeah. There is only one way back up, and although we can't always see it, we can't always see the top of the mountain. Yeah. If we keep on climbing, we will always get there. Yeah. It's a matter of, it's a matter of science, is that if we keep on going, eventually, we will get there, and it's not to lose hope just because we can't see it yet.
0: Uh, so I think my main takeaway from this would be, you know, your health is not just a maths equation. I think I think that can go for life. To be honest, it's not just a maths equation of this part works for this part. It is just finding harmony, and if at the time, like you say, you, you at the moment you say you you're using maths to help you. That is, for a certain amount of time, you say it's not sustainable, but I think in general, people see it so easy as you, you add this, so you got to take it away. Life, health, your mind is not just down to one simple equation. There's a lot of parts into that, and once you've got the harmony for yourself, for your own self, nobody else, I think that's when you find your own Maybe not happiness, but contentness with who you are.
1: I think one thing just just to finish off and say is, is you know what what is happiness? You know, is it yeah. is it natural to, if we expect something too much, we're almost setting ourselves up for the natural, you know, the natural highs and lows. And I think really that is what life is all about: is this journey of ups and downs and finding finding the peaks that make those troughs worthwhile. I think if we are we're sold this idea of happiness all the time, and I don't think it exists. And no. I think it's only a, it's only an illusion. And this is why I think by challenging ourselves and having having you know big goals and being willing to fail and ch- and push ourselves and discover our limits is is what makes life meaningful rather than rather than staying in our, in our comfort zones and, and and this idea of uh, of happiness when we don't really learn about ourselves. And I think, uh, as you say, it's not necessarily. It's not an equation, it's about, you know, having, I guess, trying to find the best versions of ourselves, and the purpose that could be, and that's different for everybody, you know, we all have our own Everest.
0: And I think on that note, we will end, because I don't think I could beat that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: No problem, that's a good one to end on.
0: Well, thank you for being part of the podcast, Um, and I'd say anybody who is listening and wants to find out more... Um, I will leave a link in the uh, information for the podcast. Um, For the rest of you, I'd like to say good day, good brew.